Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you've spoken to us today through singing, through testimony, through prayers of confession and adoration. God, we thank you that you have brought us to this point now where we get to hear your word proclaim the good news of Jesus proclaimed. And we pray your Holy Spirit would be at work among us, convicting us, convincing us, moving our hearts to deeper levels of commitment to you that we would respond to the grace that you are pouring out on us as we devote our lives to you. Lord, speak now. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of today's message is Something Greater. Something greater. I'll never forget the first time I drove on black ice. Anybody ever driven on black ice before? If you don't know what that is, uh, it's where there's ice on the road and you can't see it, hence the term, because it blends in with the asphalt. And I remember it was a cold winter when we lived up in Greenville. And I was driving uh, one evening late, a little later than usual. I was driving to Home Depot to just pick up something that I was working on. And as I was driving on, uh, on my way to Home Depot, I was on a, a six-lane uh, road in Greenville. And all of a sudden, the car began to slide. And there was this feeling of utter and complete helplessness. There was nothing I could do to change where I was going. I was just along for the ride for probably a t the most terrifying three seconds in my entire life. My life was out of control. My life was completely out of control. I mean, I was, I was like Carrie Underwood singing, Jesus, take the wheel! Because I was completely out of control. Does your life ever feel out of control? Does your health ever feel out of control? We live in a, a time today of, of constant threat to our well-being. It seems that the coronavirus or cancer or something else is going to get us as our bodies fall apart and they don't hold up like they should? Is your health out of control? Or maybe your school is out of control. Things have gotten hard at school. You've struggled to keep up with the assignments. You've struggled to do what your teacher wants you to do and it feels out of control. You get to the point where your grades are slipping and you, and you feel like there's no way out. Does your school feel out of control does society feel out of control? We live in a society that maybe doesn't value you because of your gender or because of your skin color. And so society can feel out of control. Does your parenting feel out of control? 
You try to do the right thing. You try to do right by your kids. You try to, to give them what they need. You try to discipline them in love, and yet it's not turning out the way you hoped. Things are not going the way you planned. There's a feeling of hopelessness and that you failed and that you did it wrong, and maybe you could have done it better, and sometimes parenting can feel out of control. What about your career? You've been plugging along, you've been working hard, you've been at that job for years and years and years, and then you realize that they have no respect for you. You realize that the promotion that you should have gotten, you didn't get, but you were overlooked. You lost the job, maybe. You were treated unfairly. Does your career and your job ever feel out of control? And what about your mental health? I mean, let's bring it back to personal I mean, we live in a time today where, where mental health problems and difficulties are off the chart. For, for, for more and more of us, the restless thoughts, the slips into depression, the thoughts that lead to darkness and despair. Does your mental health feel out of control? I have some good news for you today, church. And it's not what you think it is. Your life was never in your control. Your life was never in your control. My life was never in control. I'm sorry, Carrie Underwood, but you never had the wheel. You never had the wheel in the first place. See, God is wanting to tell us something today. And it's that though your life may feel out of control, there's something greater. There's someone greater. Where did we leave Jonah? Where did we leave Jonah last week? Well, if you remember, maybe you weren't here and I'm going to fill you in. Jonah had received a call from God. See, Jonah was a prophet. He heard God's voice. And God spoke to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, wait a minute. Joel explained it very well last week. Nineveh, you see, was the enemy of God's people. And Jonah had no desire to go to help the people who had uh, threatened them, who had, in fact, impaled their enemies in a parade of merciless slaughter for decades and decades. This was a cruel nation that God was saying, go to Nineveh and preach repentance. Jonah said no. Jonah said uh, I'm going in the opposite direction. So he bought a ticket and he went down to Joppa and then he went on a boat and he went in the opposite direction to a place called Tarshish. He was on his way there when God sent a storm on the waters. And if you remember, the sailors couldn't find Jonah. Where was Jonah? He was down where? In the belly of the ship. He was down in the belly of the ship and they came to him and they said, call out to your God. And Jonah refused to call out to his God. Because see, he was running from God. He was not seeking God, but he told him who his God was. And at that point, they, they got even more concerned because this was the God who controls the sea and the dry land. And, and so then the sailors called out to God. Jonah wouldn't do it, but they called out to God. And when they called out to God, God had told Jonah that he needed to be thrown overboard. And so as soon as Jonah was thrown overboard, as soon as he faced the consequences of his rebellion, 
the storm stopped. The wrath of God for sin was appeased. It was stopped in that moment. And that is where we left Jonah last week. Floundering. Waves crashing over his body. Gasping for air. Do you think Jonah's life ever felt out of control? It absolutely felt out of control in that moment. Today's passage is just one verse. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Brothers and sisters, your life may feel out of control. But God is greater than your situation. God is greater than your situation. Look at the first part of this verse where God tells us that the Lord appointed a great fish. Now that word appointed tells us something about God. It tells us that God is in control of the situation. If God can appoint a fish to do a job, then that means he's in control of the fish. If you tell your kids, go clean your room, and they do it, then you have some authority in their lives, right? But they don't always do it, right? They don't always do it. And neither did I when I was a kid, okay? But see, when God appoints something, it happens. When God appoints something to happen, it happens. And the verb in this sentence, appoint, is in an imperfect tense. What does that mean? It's in an imperfect tense. It means that it is an action which is not yet complete. Which means that God is not only appointing, as in He did it and it's done, but He is working in it. He is appointing not only something that will happen, but He's appointing the means of something happening. See, God is engaged not just in telling you what to do, but in accomplishing what He tells you to do. What God declares, He does. The Lord appointed a great fish. It means that God is not some clockmaker that sets everything in motion at the beginning of time. No, He is engaged in His creation. He is active. He is involved. God is involved. Not just when we let go of the wheel, but all the time. Every moment, but sometimes when we feel we're out of control, that's when we realize it. That's when we see, oh, God appointed a fish. That's when Jonah wakes up and says, oh, God is involved in this situation. Even though I've been running from God, He's involved in this situation. Proverbs 16 verse 33 says that the lot is cast into the lap. The gambler's going to gamble, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Even what we call chance is utterly controlled by God. Even what we call happenstance or chance or luck, God is in control. God is greater than your situation. No matter what it is, No matter what your situation is, He is greater than everything in creation. Notice, God is over this fish. 
Some people interpret this and they say, okay, maybe God created the fish. Maybe God, this is a special thing where God created a fish that could accommodate Jonah. Maybe this was a, a fish like, like, the, like a hotel that had a little bedroom inside there and it was perfect for Jonah. But, but, but that's not what's happening. God isn't creating something special. God is taking something that exists, this creature, this fish, and the word fish covers a, a variety of sea creatures. Okay, It's not just a, in what we think of as a fish. It could be any kind of large sea creature, even a sea mammal. It could be that. It could be a whale. But what does God do? God says to the fish, fish, I'm going to appoint that you are going to swallow this man alive. I'm going to appoint that this is going to happen. God can say to a great fish, go, and he goes. God can say to a storm, go, and it goes. God can say to the sun or the moon or the stars, go, and it will go. God can say to a disease, go, and it will go. God can say to you and me, go, and like Jonah, we may not go immediately. But let me tell you what, God has appointed your life. He has laid it out. He has written it out for you. And He uses all of our decisions in His, what, what we call providence. He works it all together. What did we say in the book of Romans? For, for good, right? He works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. This is the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this year, and I've been watching or just finished watching a documentary that was uh, put out on Hulu uh, recently. It was a documentary uh, that really used the footage from the day. It used uh, video footage from actual cameras that were on the scene that day. It's an incredible telling of 9-11. And as I was watching the documentary, one of the stories they told was of what has come to be known as the miracle of stairwell B. The miracle of stairwell B. You see, when those buildings fell, nobody knew they were going to fall. It was a shock. No one knew they were going to fall. And there was a group of firefighters who were in the South Tower. I'm sorry, they were in the North Tower. Captain J. Jonas and five of his firefighters from Ladder 6 were on the 27th floor. And when they were on the 27th floor, they were looking for survivors, looking for people to call out of the building. And when they got to the 27th floor, they felt a rumble, a terrible rumble, and the lights were flickering on and off. And they received a radio message that the South Tower had just collapsed. And at that moment, Captain Jonas knew, it's interesting, his name is Jonas, isn't it? I just, that just hit me. <laughs> At that moment, Captain Jonas knew that they needed to get out of there. And so they grabbed their gear and they grabbed all the people that they had already found and they started to go down stairwell B. And when they got to the 15th floor, they met a woman named Josephine Harris. And Josephine had already climbed 50 flights of stairs from the 73rd floor. She had already climbed down and she was utterly exhausted. And so, Captain Jonas and his fellow firefighters would not leave her there. But they, they took her and they helped her work their way down 
five, ten, eleven flights of stairs. And when they got to the fourth floor, Miss Harris sat down on the floor and she said, I can't go any further, just leave me here. And those firefighters said, we're not leaving you. We're not leaving you. And just at that moment, they began to feel the air. And, and, and the way they describe it is that, that every time a floor above them collapsed, the air came down the stairwell and they could feel the air every step of the way until the building was completely collapsed around them. And the miracle of miracle of stairwell B is that in this picture, you can see right in the middle, stairwell B. The one thing sticking up right in the middle of that picture, not the building around it, but right in the middle is stairwell B. Sixteen people survived the collapse. They were all in stairwell B. They survived. As the north tower collapsed all around them, a day which killed thousands. These survived right there at the fourth floor. Even in the chaos of a collapsing building, God can preserve people. Even in the chaos of your life, God can preserve you. God can preserve you as he did Jonah. In the chaos of that moment where everything was out of control, Jonah was drowning and God sent a great fish to rescue him. God sent a stairwell to rescue these friends. And all of the firefighters attributed their salvation to this woman who they had rescued who told them that she couldn't go any further. And so they were right there in the place they needed to be to survive. What is your situation? What is your situation today? What, what feels out of control to you today? Let me tell you something. Nothing is a surprise to God. Nothing is luck. Nothing is chance. Your astrological sign is not going to determine your life. It doesn't tell you anything. God does. God is in control. So you can trust Him. We can trust Him with whatever the situation is, big or small. If you, if you stub your toe, you can trust God with that situation. If you get a bad diagnosis, you can trust God with that situation. He is in control. He has already decreed it from the beginning, and He's overseeing it. He's in it. Even our decisions are not outside of His sovereign plan. God is at work in you. God is greater than your situation. And God is not only greater than your situation, but God is greater than your sin. Notice what the Scripture says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was right in the middle of his rebellion. He was right in the middle of his rebellion. He had not even prayed to God to ask for help. He had not even looked to God for anything 
He was done with God. He was in the middle of his rebellion. He was going to live his life, his way, and God, he could care less what he thought. And yet, this scripture tells us this beautiful picture of God's mercy to a sinner in the middle of his sin. To someone who's in the middle of the affair. To someone who's in the middle of stealing. To someone who's in the middle of their disobedience. Right there in that moment is where God shows up. And says, I'm going to send rescue to you. Do you deserve it? No. No way do you deserve it. When we disregard His will, any thought or word or action that goes against God or His will or His law, God says, I will always be just. I will always punish sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there's that word that changes us from rebels into saints. There's that word that takes Jonah in the middle of his sin as he's rebelling against God and as he's drowning. He tells us in the next chapter, we're going to get to it next week, he tells us in the next chapter, in my distress I called to the Lord. You see, it wasn't when he had a a rational thought about him. It wasn't when he was making decisions to go away from God, it was in his distress. That's when he cried out to God. That's when he said, Lord, save me. And the fish came. Just like that. God had appointed it. God had already appointed it. The fish was ready. Jonah cried out. And he was saved. He was saved. Not because he repented. Not because he wanted God. But because God is merciful. He was saved not because he prayed a prayer, not because he did the right thing, but because God is merciful, because God is gracious. And brothers and sisters, if you're sitting here today and you've been saved and you've experienced God's grace, it's not because you did something good. It's not because you, uh, you prayed a prayer on the boat. Jonah didn't pray a prayer. And God saved him. God is merciful. God is gracious to people who don't deserve it, like you and like me. God is greater than your sin. Jonah was a recipient of grace. Joel talked about it last week. The sailors were were experiencing God's grace too. And now Jonah himself is experiencing God's grace as he's rescued from the penalty that he deserved. I love the hymn. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. God sent a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And you know, it must have seemed like the end to him at first. Because sometimes God's grace comes and it's not easy. 
Sometimes God's grace comes and it means we have to admit our fault. It always means that. Sometimes God's grace comes and it means that life gets uncomfortable for a little while. Maybe three days and three nights. Maybe for quite some time. You see, God could have done it differently. But God preserved Jonah in the belly of a fish. Sometimes salvation looks like chaos, just as the survivors of 9-11 were protected in the belly of that building. As chaos was happening all around them, Jonah was protected in the belly of that fish. Have you been running away from the Lord? Newsflash, we all have. We all have. In some way, shape, or form, sin is running away from God. Every time we disobey, it's, it's running away from God. It's saying, God, I don't want your way, I want my way. Sin isolates us from God. It, it, it isolates us from other people. We know we have broken God's law. We know we've run to false gods for safety and comfort. We know we've done wicked things. We know that we've hid our sin as best we can. We've tried to keep it on the DL. We've tried to, 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 to pretend like we haven't been so bad. But as our lives begin to crumble around us, as, as we begin to feel that our lives are out of control, God may be using that, brothers and sisters. When your grades are slipping, God may be using that. When your relationships are falling apart, God may be using that in your life to bring you to a point where you can say like Jonah, help me, Lord. I forgot. I forgot you were merciful. I forgot you were gracious. When you can't see a way out, when the temptations seem impossible, God is greater than your sin. He's greater than your sin. So cry out to Him for mercy. He will answer. God always answers the cry for mercy. God always answers the cry for mercy. It's the, the fact that we hardly cry out for mercy. It's the fact that we think we can keep swimming. It's the fact that we think we can keep rowing, that we can keep doing it ourselves. Why does it take us so long to get to the end of ourselves? Why does it take us to getting that sense of losing control before we'll actually come to God and say, oh, by the way, I need help! Why does it take us so long to get to that point? Why does it take a tower collapsing? Why does it take being tossed into the sea? Because God is doing something even greater. That's why it takes us to the point of no return. Because God is doing something even greater. God is greater than your situation. God is greater than your sin. And God is greater than your story. God is greater than your story. Verse 17 reads, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It's an incredible story. Uh, many commentators uh, think that it must be a myth. It can't be a real story. It can't be history. And yet, 
the scripture doesn't present it as a parable. I mean, there are parables in the Bible, okay? There are. But this isn't presented as a parable. It's presented as historical. And Jonah, one of the worst sinners, uh, the worst prophet ever, (laughs) at the end of this ordeal, he had quite a story to tell, didn't he? Didn't he have quite a story to tell? He had experienced what we would by all accounts call a miracle. He had experienced a miracle. Few people survived being tossed into the sea. And even fewer survived being eaten alive by a giant fish. Although there are some historical records of that, by the way. But God preserved Jonah. It was a miracle. Because God is greater than his situation. And God is greater than his sin. And God is greater than his story. Why did God write his story this way? I mean, let's be honest. God could have done this differently. Right? God could have sent a piece of driftwood. You know, like a little piece of the Titanic could have come floating by. And Jonah could have grabbed a hold of it, you know, because he was probably better than Leo. And Y'all know the reference, right? I know I'm showing my age. But he, but he, could, have, he could have grabbed onto some driftwood. Uh, God could have sent a strong current to, to rush him to the shore. God could have sent a boat. But what did God send? God sent a great fish. God is greater than your story. God is greater than the story that we would want to tell. You see... Jonah's story became a powerful testimony. It's in the Bible. (laughs) That tells you something, right? It's It's a book in the Bible. But his story became a powerful testimony to the the power of God and the grace of God. His story became a powerful testimony that was that was written for a certain group of people. Do you know who that was? the people of Nineveh. Jonah's story was written by God for the people of Nineveh, the people that he was called to go to, that wretched city, and proclaim repentance. His story was written for them. How do we know this? Because we know the historical context of Nineveh. We know that Jonah ends up on the coast of Assyria, and we know that he, the second time, obeys God and goes into Nineveh, the capital city of his enemies. And we know that he preaches repentance. And apparently we know that Jonah tells his story. We know this from some New Testament evidence that I'm going to get to in a minute. But we know that Jonah tells these people about a God who can do miracles. We know that he tells these people about a God who can save rebels. We know that he tells these people about a God who can turn from wrath and show mercy. Even at the last minute, even as wrath is pouring down, have mercy and you're saved. This is the message of Jonah to Nineveh. But there's more. Nineveh was devoted to many false gods. And one of their false gods was a god named Dagon. Maybe you've heard about Dagon. Dagon was also worshipped by the Philistines. But Dagon was known as a fish god. The word dag is the Hebrew word for fish. 
In fact, it's the word that's used in our passage today, that God appointed a dag. And the dag, the fish, when Jonah came into Nineveh, a foreign land, a foreign language, and he's speaking Hebrew dialect, and he says that I was saved out of the mouth of a dag, they started listening. Wait, what? Are you saying your God rescued you from our God? Are you saying your God is more powerful than the God that we worship? Are you saying that your God has power over the sea and the fish? The God that we call out to is like nothing to your God. And so the people of Nineveh listened, and the people of Nineveh believed, and the people of Nineveh repented. They turned from their sin, and they turned to the God, God of the Bible. They, they called out to Jonah's God, and they said, have mercy. Save us. See, God is greater than the story you would write. And he's going to use your story to tell his story in a way that's going to impact people around you, in ways that you would never imagine that God would use this incredible story of being rescued by a fish to reach a nation of people that worship a fish god. There's more to Jonah's story. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus mentions the story of Jonah. It's part of the reason we believe it's historical, because Jesus believed it was historical. In chapter 12, verses 38 through 41, Matthew writes, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. Someone greater than Jonah is here. You see, the sign of Jonah is all about God's power and God's grace. And isn't that what Jesus is? A representation, a sign of God's power and of God's grace to you and to me. Jesus says, you don't need any more signs. You've got Jonah. Go back and read the story. It's only four chapters. This is the sign. He was in the fish three days and three nights, and the Son of Man will be in the, the bottom of the earth three days and three nights. Jesus was not merely in a fish for three days. He was dead and buried in a grave for three days. And He died to save everyone who would believe in Him from the wrath of God that was crumbling down around humanity. He died so that we could be protected in stairwell B. That we could be protected in the belly of a fish in the hands of Jesus, our Savior. You see, God is greater 
than your story. Because he's telling a better story. He's telling a story that includes all of our stories. He's telling a story that includes the the parts of our lives that feel out of control. He's using them to show the world His power and His grace. Jesus' life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection bring about an even greater redemption than Jonah could imagine. Jesus' story brings us forgiveness from God. That we're justified by God. That we have the hope of a future resurrection when this world that does have a beginning and will have an end will be renewed and restored into the new creation. This world had a beginning. I was reading an article this week about the Big Bang and, and, and it had a beginning. Scientists say we have no way of knowing what was before. <laughs> because time had a beginning. And time will have an end. And God tells us that the end is coming and that His judgment is coming. And if you're sitting on, on, on the deck of a boat today and you're wondering and you're running from God and you're wondering if maybe God's wrath won't reach you, I'm, it will. We will all be judged for our actions and our inactions in this life. We will all be judged by a holy, holy, holy God. And that is nothing to laugh about. It's nothing to shake a stick at. It's nothing to avoid like Jonah. But you know what it is? It's a call to repent. It's a call to believe in a God who even would call back someone like Jonah. Someone who can't even utter a prayer when he's at his most desperate moment and so it gets worse for him. Then he prays. Maybe today's the day for you, brothers and sisters. Maybe today's the day that you are fed up. Maybe today's the day that you say, you know what, my life is out of control and I'm going to call out to God today. So call out to Him today. How is God going to bring redemption to your life? How is God going to save you? What sins do you need to be rescued from? How is God going to transform your life? What kind of story is He writing for you? What is God doing in your life? What is He doing? What has He appointed for your life? And are you paying attention to what God is doing? Right now in your life, are you paying attention? Because God will prove His faithfulness to you. If you will respond to Him in faith, trust, belief. Okay, God, I don't see how this is going to all work out, but help me. Have mercy. And I promise you, God will redeem you. God will take that little bit of faith and He will transform you. He will take you and He will will give you a story that you can then take and share with others. How does your story point to Jesus? Like Jonah. How does your story point to Him? It all starts with telling the truth. The truth that God is greater than your situation. The truth that God is greater than your sin. And the truth that God is greater than your story. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it points us to, that it's not just about us and our story, but about the, the Lord Jesus and the work that he is doing to show your power and your grace to a world that is dying and that is literally out of control. That at the very smallest level that we can see, there is chaos. Chaos. And yet you are in control. God, give us eyes to see what is right in front of us. That you are appointing good and grace and mercy into our lives. That we can simply receive by faith. God, I pray that each person here today would believe that you are greater than our situation and our sin and our stories. That you are greater and that you are not done with us yet, but that you have a mission and a purpose for what, and we're not gonna live it out perfectly. We know Jonah doesn't live it out perfectly. He's still messed up as anybody else. But God, you have mercy on this prophet, this wayward prophet. You will have mercy on us. Lord, come in your power, in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.